Welcome to episode 68 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me tonight are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Cassell. Hello. It is Monday night, August 11th, and for tonight's episode, we are joined by special guest Darcy Mahaffey. Hi. And she picked a great night to join us because it is a very somber evening. As about 10 minutes ago, we all just found out that uh, Robin Williams killed himself, and I am super bummed. Uh, so, I think that's going to do it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, let's wrap this thing up here. Favorite Robin Williams movie? Paul, go! Dead Poets Society. Matt, go! Goodwill Hunting. Darcy, go! I don't know. I don't know. Dibba dibba do. I don't know. There's so many. I don't. I don't. Dibba dibba do. Dibba dibba do. I don't know. I don't know. I seriously, he was so good. Um, I liked Aladdin. Or Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire was good. You're the guest, didn't you? Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire is great. Mrs. Doubtfire is pretty good. Sharply, did you pick one? No. Audience member Ginger, go. It's got to be Aladdin or Mrs. Doubtfire. Those are two good ones. I'll go random one hour photo. Ooh. No, see, I was going to say that one was bad. <laughs> Not that it wasn't like a good one. movie, but it bothered me seeing him. Well, because he was a super creep. Because he was that. scary as shit. One yeah. hour photo was great. And let's not discount Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting was that's good. That's a really good one. I'm did you guys ever? I said that one, but that's cool. You did you? Did? Yeah, you, you did. did. Oh. You did. I thought you said something. Let's else. not discount that movie, but let's discount Matt picking it. <laughs> did you guys ever see What Dreams May Come? That like real psychedelic. Yeah, I actually one. read that book too. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking crazy. It was really sad. I remember that. Yeah, it's real fucking sad, but yeah, great. huge. That came out on my birthday. Did it? Yeah, I almost went and saw it. it was came out, Jumanji was good. Came out against Jumanji. Night at the Roxbury. Huge resume. For him, uh, Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy. That's awesome. the smoochie. The birdcage. Oh my god! Can I pick the birdcage? Yeah. Yes, you can. Yes, I you love can. The That's a good I, one. I feel like he's like he's been everywhere for my entire life. That uh, you know, it's gonna be really weird not seeing him in anything anymore. So a big uh, a big uh, mix sauce. Rest in peace to Robin Williams, who I guess had some. Uh, real uh, alcoholism and depression issues, issues toward the end, and uh, it's a real shame because that was a huge talent. That was a huge part of all of our lives. This is the second celebrity that we found out right before we turned the microphone on that that passed away with Harold Ramis a couple of months oh, yeah. months ago. We found I right out. I wouldn't say he was a huge part of my life or anything. I think you're speaking for me there. I mean, sad, but I wasn't a huge Robin Williams fan. Okay. At little depressed Matt, hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> little depressed Matt, happy what, he's dead. Philip Seymour you already here. Died during. I didn't say that. Like, did you find out before the podcast? <sighs> as well? I think so. Maybe. He died. There's a lot of death. Philip Philip Seymour Hoffman died while we've been doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the McSauce Death Podcast. That we were we were wrapping up dinner, getting ready to record when the um, Robin Williams news came across the wire. So. Philip Seymour Hoffman wasn't, like, Robin Williams was a fixture of so many, like, TV shows and movies of, you know, my, my childhood up through adolescence, my entire life. So, like, this and, and um, uh, 
John Ritter, man, stingers. Yeah. John Ritter, not so much. Personally, okay. John, when John Ritter died, I was really yeah. big threes company guy, huh? Very. His was a bit shocking though, because he had had been having like health, a lot of health issues. I feel like health issues aren't necessarily as shocking as like when someone just uh, offs themselves. Yeah. Yeah, but like he was, he was in the swing of things. He died on the set of Eight Simple Rules. Like That's he was true. in the middle yeah. of a workday, nothing was going, yeah. nothing was going wrong, and then all of a sudden that was it. Yeah, he was out. True. Um. So, uh... I remember being floored by, like, Heath Ledger. Mm. Yeah, that one was out of nowhere, too. That was a long time ago. The one that's been affecting me lately is George Carlin. Now, granted, he was older, but I've been listening to a lot of his old stand-up acts, and I can't help but think, man, that guy had so much comedy left, even though he was older. Um... It just sucks. Like, he wasn't one of those guys that was like, oh my god, why is he still making comedy? He was still at the top of his game. We had the um, most healthy work ethic of any comedian, I think, in ever, probably. He put out a new hour every single year of completely new material. And not a lot of people, I think Louie does that now, mm-hmm. but not a lot of comedians do that. It's just so difficult to... Um, Louie Anderson? Uh, Louis C.K.? Oh, I'm sorry. There's only one Louie, or... I'm sorry. I apologize for... Uh, anyone that didn't know who I was referencing. Louis Anderson is a real genius. I mean, haven't you ever see? seen The Family Feud? I didn't even think he was and then, around, though. And then everybody, you know, somebody on The Family Feud says the answer, what they think, and the whole rest of the family is like, yeah, yeah, that's right, good answer. And then it's not one of the the answers. And then Louis Anderson has to come in and say something funny. You're a big that's game show genius. guy. No, not really. No. Yeah, but doesn't... What's his last? Just do that too, Steve. Steve Harvey. Yeah. Who was I just talking to about Steve Harvey? Where his his biggest joke is the face he makes when yeah when people say something when stupid. People say, well, <laughs> when people say anything, yeah. It's a good face. <laughs> what did George Carlin die from? Uh, Being old as shit. Old age. I think it was old age. Pneumonia. Did you guys watch his last special? I mean. No. He's barely hobbling across the stage. I love George Carlin, too. I don't mean to be offensive, like I was earlier. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, how were you offensive earlier? Uh, it's not funny now. So, it, was a, um, <laughs> it was a weekend at Robin Williams' joke about bringing him back from Miss Outfire Team. Instantly after we found out the news. Too soon. I too think soon he would have the definition it. of too soon, but it's still funny. So, <laughs> so speaking of Mrs. Doubtfire and housekeeping, sharply. Ah, yes, yes, that's a great segue. Mrs. Doubtfire would have been proud of McSauce.com. Uh, go there for the Strips Reviews podcast. This past weekend, we went to Steel City Con at the Monroeville Convention Center in September. On the 26th through the 28th, McSauce will be at the same convention center, hawking our wares. We'll have buttons, perhaps posters, and our charming selves there. Dominic will be there. Matt will be there. I will be there. Paul will be there. Will Darcy be there? Darcy will not be there. there. The last two years we did Pittsburgh Comic Con, we were in... The artist room, but this year we upgraded to a more, a larger table, I guess. 
in the uh, in the big area, the big room with all the vendors and everything. So uh, that's where we're going to be this year. We're not sure what table number we're going to be at yet, but uh, we're going to be in the big room with. Uh, I guess I feel like we're the with big the big kids. kids, yeah, and the big big room. We've graduated from the kitty table, uh, and by when I say graduation, I mean spent more money. You're really not. You're really not. You're right. Yeah, you're right. After you purchased all your extra chairs. Because we don't really feel... (laughs) The first year that we were there, it was nice. We were just getting the hang of it. But you kind of feel separate from all the action. There are, you know, big displays and all the vendors are in the other room. And Artist Alley is kind of subdued. It's kind of really, really a chill environment. Sort of a second thought for people that are at the convention. They kind of accidentally wander in and, whoa, what's weird in here? Oh, these guys are sitting here. Some people come up and talk to you, but this year we'll be in the heat of the the action. So hopefully we get placed between two really popular tables. So we get a lot of... uh, cross-pollination of nerds coming to the table. I don't know. I just think you guys needed to upgrade because they put a lot of the crazy uh, weirdos in the back room in Artist Alley. There yeah, was a, uh, some very interesting uh, folks. We don't disparage any fans <laughs> of comic books at the Comic-Con. Yeah, we they're are, not... Sauce are friends of all... Yeah, but it wasn't the fans. It, it was some the of the fans. Pre- some, some of the tables. exhibitors that were there had Lights. like the fake lady robot. Yeah, thing. that's pretty much who I was referring to. Yeah, scary I mean, robot lady man guy. Yeah, there are a lot of crazy things. But um, this weekend at Steel City Con, Darcy was there. We were there, and we went to me and Matt went to go see the the Miracle Elixir Sideshow. Yep, and that's where what you'll be doing. During Comic-Con, yeah, is that right? Correct. So, along with many of the other things that we do, we are, have our own sideshow. And we were hired for the weekend of the 27th, 28th, to go to Strasburg Unlimited, their steampunk event uh, for the Strasburg Railroad. And we were really excited when we got the gig, and we couldn't contain our excitement until one day we realized that that was the exact same weekend as the comic book convention. Um, We were pretty bummed, but the Strasbourg gig pays a lot more (laughs) than shelling out our own money for uh, the comic con, so we decided financially it would be better for us to take the... Uh, Strasburg Railroad gig and do the sideshow. So we then decided so that we didn't miss any convention of any kind, we would do the Steel City Con, which was this last weekend, and we would promote the sideshow instead of the comic books. So we were there uh, this last weekend promoting the sideshow. And we were happy to see Ian and his dad, <laughs> who's always very nice. Steve VCR. Steve VCR. <laughs> He's a very nice man. And I unfortunately missed Matty C when he came by, but... Um, well, Matt's got bigger fish to fry when he goes to the con. He has business to take care of. <laughs> he does. Than to make he sure he it. stops and sees his friends. I was able to see uh, some mind reading and some pain, uh, feats of strength kind of things, where uh, Dylan 
nailed a nail into his nose. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were flinching and running away. I thought I was going to faint when I saw it. I stood there. I hung in there. I, I made sure the nail was real. It wasn't some fake, phony mm-hmm. rubber nail. It was real. So That's gross. It's done in his nose. Yeah. So d- <laughs> yeah, I know. So I, Dylan was like... Well, I, I, I put it... I, well, I, I put it in my mouth and I bit down on it to make sure that it was real. Yeah, he totally real. didn't clean that nail at all, was like, oh. all day long. So that nail had been in his nose about 600 After times. I did that, I kind of like just put it in my gum a little bit and I was like, oh. I'm sitting a foot away from tetanus. Mm. <laughs> so Dylan, before this trick, was like, let me pick someone from the audience to test this nail. Let me pick my buddy who's going to be like, yeah, this is totally a real nail. Well, they didn't know that I was... I was just a special charlatans. No, they passed it around the audience. A couple other people uh, looked at other it. People besides, licked yeah. it. There was a little bit of that. So when the city gets crippled due to tetanus, <laughs> it's all we know, we know where to go. <laughs> yeah. So there was a uh, nail in the face. Nail was there the glass face. eating? I ate some glass on Saturday. I didn't see he that. He actually Fuck. hammered the nail into his face, like with a hammer up his nose. Not right? up it, like, into, into it. it. Yeah. And, and then had a member of the audience hold pliers, and he pulled back. And the nail came out. There were no boogers, no blood, no what, brains. Was that you again, quote-unquote, member of the audience? <laughs> I would like to see how you handled member of the audience. I was I was fantastic in my role. What kind of glass did you eat? A Perrier bottle. Oh, fancy water. Rich man's water. Nothing but the best glass for this girl. Now, are there other things that you guys do outside that you couldn't do indoors? Yeah, we we do fire eating. We have a fire eating show. Uh, We have three shows. We have a mental mind reading show, pain proof show, and a fire eating show. Uh, Unfortunately, in a large convention center full of comic books, fire eating is frowned upon. So to them. So we weren't, done it anyway. weren't allowed to do that. Um, so we, we pulled <laughs> in a room full of Tinder. <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> so we pulled a lot of the uh, uh, more up close uh, stunts from our show and made them a little bit more convention friendly, if you will. There was glass eating. There were needles and needles through arms, nails and noses, mind reading, psychic numbers. If you want to see more of this stuff, you're going to miss it because you're going to be at the Pittsburgh Comic Con. <laughs> well, but while, wait. while Darcy is at the uh, Strasburg Railroad. If we piss you off too bad in between now and then, go see Darcy and Dylan. And, and if we haven't them. done that after 68 episodes, I don't think that we ever will. What a Sophie's choice. I know. Oh, no, you can actually see both because the weekend of August. 24th, I want to say, is Edgewood Community Days. If you know, if you're in the city of Pittsburgh and you are. And if you're listening to this, close, you totally are. <laughs> uh, you can hey, go to. There's water, people in Watertown, Russia. New York. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Sometimes Philadelphia. <laughs> anyway, you can travel to the Pittsburgh neighborhoods of Swissvale and Edgewood for Edgewood Community Days. We won't be doing our full 30-minute acts, but we will be doing strolling entertainment, so you can come visit us there. So if you can go to MiracleSideshow.com, mm-hmm. you can also go to the Facebook page, MiracleSideshow.com, and uh, please support our friends like you support us. 
right. Dylan, Jesus, look at this guy on this website. <laughs> Did you go to the website? <laughs> uh, I don't know who I'm more embarrassed of. <laughs> hey. I'm just kidding. I, I love you both dearly. Give, give me the address one more time. MiracleSideshow.com Alright. So why don't we jump into um, our first order of business tonight, which is the seven-minute Star Wars Rebels preview that was on uh, Disney XD last week, which we watched again before the show tonight because Darcy hadn't seen it. Um, Personally, Star Wars Rebels has been giving me real up and down. It's been a roller coaster of cautious... Caution, I, I can't even say excitement, just caution for this show because some trailers and clips look really cool and other ones look like this show is for six-year-olds. But don't you think that they have to play it up on both sides of that coin where they have to play to the older fans, they have trailers made for them, as well as this is a Disney XD show yeah, and catered I, to children. I know they're going to handle it like... A lot of movies do where there's the funny trailer and then there's the serious trailer, and I'm I'm looking I, I I'm ready for the full show. I want to sit down. I want to watch the full thing. Well, the good news is we've pretty much already seen the full first episode. But yeah, between all the different clips for it and the seven minute preview, I feel like I've seen this this entire show already. The first, I mean, an episode's twenty two minutes long, and we've already seen between the three minutes release plus the Seven minutes, plus any other additional clip, figure about, what, 13, 14 minutes. That's more than half the show. Yeah, and nothing's really nothing's really spoken to me yet and been like, yeah, this is going to be great. There was one trailer that came out a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, this looks, this looks pretty serious. They put the adult spin on it. And I was like, okay. And then I watched the seven-minute I missed preview. that one. What kind of adult spin did they put on it? Sex. Mm. Twilight sex. Oh, the best kind. <laughs> but the the seven minute preview, you know, there's um, it's it's. I feel like it's it's all over the place, and maybe it's a it's a deal where it's going to take this first season of the show half a season to really find themselves and, and find their own groove. So you don't feel any more positive feelings to this show after seeing all this footage? Because I do. I'm way more into it with all the extra footage and all the trailers and seeing the characters interact and seeing how this world's going to be brought to us. I'm, I'm in more so than I was before. I didn't give a shit about it two months ago. But now, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to check it out and watch it. 2.7 minute preview swing. That's what, th- that's what happens. That's what happens on the podcast. Yeah. Darcy, what did you think about it? I'm probably closer in your camp. I'm cautiously optimistic, but slightly scared that it's going to be a piece of crap. Um, I wasn't hot on the animation at all. Um, they look like... I said to Paul that the, the main characters remind me of like Woody from Toy Story. <laughs> they just look really lanky and wobbly like Gumby or something. I don't know. Um, and I realize it's a kid's show. I realize it's for six-year-olds. But some of the one-liners were not only really corny, but they were delivered horribly. Yeah. And I'm sort of scared, like, this is Star Wars. Like, you need to cast some, you know, capable actors. And And this is canon. 
Yeah. This isn't, you know, some fanfic or a Marvel comic or anything. Like, this is canon. This uh, From Lucasfilm, this is just as legit as Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It's just like the Clone Wars show. I mean, did you... Were you a fan of that one, Darcy? Well, I... I Watched, I haven't watched all of the Clone Wars, but I have watched several of the seasons. Um, I haven't finished it yet. Um, but I feel like I liked the animation a little bit better. I feel like even though you have some, you know, it has its fair share of lines that have been delivered poorly. Um, it also has a lot of really good context and a lot of really good, you know storyline and action in it that I feel like it's gotta have it's gonna have some stiff competition to beat out Clone Wars um, in my personal opinion Clone Wars was the the art from Clone Wars was a lot more stylized and I think that's why it's okay I feel like this new preview it's like they couldn't decide if they wanted to be stylized or realistic like half the shit looks really realistic like the robots and uh, like the stormtroopers when they're in their armor. Everything that's not a human looks amazing. Looks amazing. And then all the humans look like a piece of shit. They so, made a lot of choices to go away from some of the Clone War, the ways that they handled hair and mm-hmm. eyebrows and shit like that. That does, it didn't make any sense. It's like, we're trying to do something different just to be different. different. But you got it right with the Clone Wars. Exactly. Like, it looked, it looked, it looked great. Good. It looked realistic mm-hmm. and, and organic. Whereas this stuff, it looked like they painted eye, like cartoony eyebrows on something that sort of looked real. Mm-hmm. Strange choice. And we were commenting before earlier about how like the ship looked sort of beat up and the ship looked a little you know dirty and distressed. But looking at the Clone War pictures, um, I feel like they might have even gotten that aspect a little bit better. If you're looking at their armor and their clothing, it has that like wear to it. Where I didn't really notice that in the seven minute preview or the three minute clip. Matt, being our resident Star Wars expert, why don't you give us your opinion on the Clone Wars, since we've seen so much of it. The Clone Wars or Rebels? Or Rebels, I'm sorry. I was kind of um, cautiously optimistic about this show in general, because I think that the Clone Wars was hitting its stride, like... It was at the top of its game from what I had seen, although I hadn't watched season five. By all indications, it was they were telling the best stories that they had told, and the animation was better than it had ever been. And then they canceled it to do a new Disney show, so I was already kind of turned off. Um, plus, the, the buzzwords lately have been like... Um, we're, you know, we're getting back to, to classic Star Wars, and, you know, for me, that is kind of like discounting the, the relevance of the prequels, which I think is nonsense, and I don't think it's right, because, you know, these are George Lucas stories that, you know, the maker has said, the, this is really Star Wars. So, there were a lot of factors that kind of turned me off, but after having seen the, the previews, I, I like what I've seen. I think the animation's actually kind of cool it's like 3d but it has all the same sensibilities that you would have in 2d animation with overly uh exaggerated uh body movements facial movements and expressions 
that didn't exist in the Clone Wars show. Um, this has a more, I would say, uh, classic animation style, and it's less stylized. Uh, what I don't like is uh, some of the texturing on the 3D models. I think that it looks a little rudimentary, especially compared to like season four and five and six of the Clone Wars. Um, but I think the animation in general is more animated. I think that it um, it actually looks better. Like when the characters talk, they're they're just much much more emotive than than they were the first time. The overall tone of the show looks pretty good. Um, it is relying incredibly heavily on um, kind of mimicking the the films, particularly in the the three minute clip that we saw tonight, where um, the the main ship is like kind of the Millennium Falcon in, in this show. It's called the Ghost. It's fighting against like five Tie Fighters or something, and that entire sequence is is ripped right out of the um, the Millennium Falcon fighting the Tie Fighters in A New Hope. I mean, like almost shot for shot in a lot of instances, and I hate that. I hate that level of recycling action sequences and you're going to see like that level of recycling of dialogue which it shows up in the prequels versus the original movies so that kind of stuff really kind of bothers me it always has um it's a little too cutesy for me but um art wise like art style you have these really cool um classic Ralph McQuarrie inspired designs on a lot of the characters that had never seen any kind of treatment beyond his original paintings. That's really exciting to see that come to life, even if it is just in the animated show. Um, I am no longer cautiously optimistic. I'm just optimistic. I'm, I'm excited about the show. I mean, it's not exactly what I would want. I wish that it had a little bit more of a, a kid feel to it, or a little less of a kid feel to it, but it's still kind of hitting a lot of the right notes, you know. I, they released the the theme song um, for the for the show, which is it's the Rebel fanfare, and then it gets into like this. Do you guys remember in Return of the Jedi with the um, All Wings Report In and and all? Sing it. That that runs through the theme, and then they come in with like the Force theme, which is Obi Wan's theme. That. And it's like a really cool song, and I like that. Um, it's like a remix. If it's like a remix, <laughs> which you didn't get a lot of that in the Clone Wars. You got like more original stuff, a little bit more world inspired. Um, it, it, I prefer this. This is familiar territory, but uh, they have to be careful that they're not recycling too much, because I think even in the seven minute preview, they're. While there were familiar sound effects that we all like, it was almost like it was ripped right out of Return of the Jedi with all those speeder bike sounds. Yeah, yeah. Nothing I, new, all reused. And stuff. like, part of me, part of me is like, oh, finally, stuff that stuff that I like. Like that's fan service for people that didn't like the prequels. They're like, well, we're gonna give you the original classic Star Wars stuff and see how original it is we're going to take all these exact bits but even with the score I want the score to be more ripped right from the old movies because they'll give you little bits and pieces and I'm like oh yeah they're doing it and then at the end they go off on some weird tangent and change it and if you're 
getting your score on a television animated series budget, like you're not going to get that big John Williams quality. It so sounds like just it was... use just use the big stuff. It's all there. You have six movies worth of stuff to pull from. Don't don't give me don't give me half-assed uh, you know animated Disney XD music. Yeah, I'd actually really agree with that. Um, it's so re- the original is so recognizable um, that I think even I mean heck I know like Jude too. He recognizes Star Wars. He requests it in the car. So I think you know thinking that you need to give six-year-olds their own music. I mean they already know. I'd like if their think- parents are huge enough dorks. They already know. <laughs> I'd like they've been think- raising their kids properly. Exactly. That's what you meant. Come on. Throughout the show, I expect more. I expect a wider variation on sound effects, but yeah, a lot of the, you know, like the TIE Fighters and the Blasters, especially that speeder bike noise pulled right from the awesome. original trilogy. I like that. And, you know, while, while I like it, and it's it's right in that time frame, it's not like you need to count to account for 20 years in the past or 20 years in the future where things are going to be different, I still want things to be tweaked a little bit. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like there was much of that at all. If I would, if I was just listening to that, I'd have been like, "Oh yeah, they're on Endor, absolutely." Right. <laughs> bang bang on the table. Endor, have heavy arms. Yeah, um, I, I think I'll be more invested in watching it than I was before. These clips have really swayed me, so. Um, yeah, October is whenever it's coming out. So. Yeah, you and I can watch it together. These two can wait for the, the DVD. Why can't we watch it together? Watch it. Well, you guys are a little lukewarm on it. Lukewarm? Yuck, yuck, yuck. See, that is recycled that we don't like. You didn't right. even try to remix it. Mm-hmm. See, uh, you, you guys are, you're like, yeah, October. Uh, no, 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 no. No, I'm like, yeah, October, whereas before... I was like, I don't give a shit. I don't care. No, Which is surprising for you because, you know, you're Admiral Apathy over here. Nah. I thought, like, it's a trap. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said before. But then they showed me what it's going to be. And I was like, oh, okay. That's that's good. Looks good. I imagine we'll be having a uh, Star Wars Rebels viewing party providing all of our schedules line up for... Opening night. Disney XD, make it a Monday, please. Are we all going to dress up? <laughs> we can do Whatever that. night it is, I'm going to arrange my schedule to make it happen where I can watch it. So, I'll be watching. I will plan on doing that too, then. And I will be as positive as I can be. I don't think I'm going to hate it. Like, I think through this entire first season, I'm going to feel the same way I do right now. I'm going to be like, yeah, some awesome stuff. And there's some stuff I really hate. Like how the little kid Ezra has the voice of a (laughs) 35-year-old. I don't hate anything yet, and I think that's the most surprising thing. I thought I was going to really dislike some pieces here and there, but I'm okay with everything that I've seen so far. Even the Inquisitor or whatever Even the wanton murder of Stormtroopers. Oh, I loved that. That was the best part. Yeah, where he, like, cracks wise and then throws a grenade at him. Like, that's good shit. In the seven-minute preview... Your quote-unquote heroes rip through an entire platoon of Imperial Stormtroopers and, like, early model biker scouts, and they just straight-up 
murder them. Yeah, you get they seven get shot minutes in the of face it. from like two feet away from each other. <laughs> One gets a grenade like dumped in his lap, and he is atomized. The close range space shot is amazing. Honey. And I guess they can get away with it because you know the producers can tell Disney, well, they're they could be robots. They look like robots, but we know they're people. There are people in there. And you're, the heroes that you're supposed to love and pull for in the show, they are just serial killers throughout this entire seven-minute preview. Yeah, they really are. They rival um, the Punisher Warzone in awesome deaths. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And ultimately, it, like I, I, don't, I don't give a shit. But the first time we watched, and then the second time tonight, I was like, "Holy shit!" They just don't give a fuck. They're yeah. just killing dudes, running them over with bikes, shooting them in the face. The face shooting was just the most crazy. The face it was point and the, blank, and the waka waka. Here's a grenade. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if you like murder and Star Wars, Rebels is yeah, going if, to be if for it's you. On, if it's online, I. Uh, Try to try to find the Star Wars Rebels seven minute preview. Some really good stuff about it. Some not. So, I, I can't even say bad. Just some questionable choices that I may not have made, like how the main guy Kanan is ripped right out of the nineties. He's got his nineties slick back ponytail. Got his little chin, chinny chin face. I'm surprised hair. he didn't shave the side of his head and have that baby ponytail. Every time, I, <laughs> every time they should have just did it. <laughs> every time I see him, I just hear Creed's greatest hits playing instead of the soundtrack. And he's voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. and I love Freddie Prince Jr. But I don't know if he's right for this project. I love how when we open cans here on the Mixos comic book podcast... There's yeah. no standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah. we put them under the table as if that's going to muffle the sound <laughs> in any way. It, it could. I'm guilty. Fans at home. I opened a can of beer, and well, you heard it. There's no standard. Sometimes it's under the table. Sometimes I'll leave the room. Sometimes I'm right up, right on the mic. No standard for how we should deal with the like opening. The only way to get rid of it is like go in the bathroom or something. We'll try the house. We'll try shut the door or get <laughs> bottles. <laughs> or open mix sauce. The, show. the mix sauce budget doesn't or have bottle. We'll just have a keg. We'll just have oh, there you go. Draft beer, quarter keg. Yeah, or that'll last a show. <laughs> can, you, can you get less than a quarter keg? I don't think so. Can no. you get a pony? Uh-oh. It might be. We're going to have to investigate. Anybody who knows. Ginger, she says, pony keg. <laughs> Louis Anderson would have something to say, though. Did you say that? No. I think you're going to make a deep cut Louis Anderson joke right now. Am I, I right? Like, yeah, go for it, Matt. I just tried to recall. Because it sounded like you were doing the whole family feud thing. Ginger says, like surveys. Uh, says. I see where you're going. Not a deep cut. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> I'm an idiot? Me. I'm oh. an idiot. Because I, I didn't pick up on your earlier it, reference. It was pretty unfunny, though, so... Well, so was... How warm's the inside of a tauntaun? Lukewarm, but we all understand. That's bullshit, because everybody fucking <laughs>, laughs at that one. You're is, still laughing. It is kind of funny. <laughs> so, did uh, did anyone here at the table see the, te- the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles this weekend? 
I did not. No, I did. I was not. very busy this weekend. Work, pool party, Steel City Con, full schedule. Yeah. Matt, I went. Yeah, yeah. How was it? It was okay. Yeah, yeah. Not the, not quite the Nickelodeon animated series, huh? No, that's still the gold standard. Uh, as a matter of fact, it probably wasn't as good as the 1990 film. Ooh. I say that, but I, the 1990 film was actually pretty good. It was. And it still holds up to this yeah. day. So, I actually even like the one with uh, Vanilla Ice in it. Oh. <laughs> the second one. I Secret don't, of the Use. How does Ninja Rap compare to, like, the Shell Shock? Wiz Khalifa if I'm jam. Not, if I'm not mistaken, that song is in this new movie. Oh Ninja Rap? God, really? really? Yeah, I think it's oh. in the credits. I don't understand wow. how when when the sequel came out and the two big monsters were... Um, Tok- Toka and Razor? Something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't understand when... Like, I was so mad that they weren't Bebop and Rocksteady in that second movie. But... The Nickelodeon animated show is so good, I don't even care that Bebop and Rocksteady aren't in it. Uh, you know, Razor and um, the fish guy whose name is escaping me. They are just as good. What's his name? Fish guy, big metal legs. You're killing me. Did you like it more than the animated Ninja Turtles one that came out? In theaters like mid two thousands, because that one was pretty good too. That was really good. Um, this movie did a lot of things that were enjoyable. It, I thought that it did a really good job, similarly to the way that the current TV show does, by giving all the turtles their own unique dynamic. Um, Michelangelo is just as funny in the new movie as he is on, in the TV show. Um, they play up Donatello's nerdiness heavily in the new movie, which I like. They give him thick rim glasses, and he even has tape in the middle. It's like playing up the nerd thing. And it, their tortoise shell pattern. Oh, are they really? But um, yes, they are. Because I, I saw that wasn't a joke, Darsh. I saw some some artwork of it, and like the the first thing I noticed was the the tortoise shell pattern. I was like, oh, haha, that's funny. And then I was, then I thought, how the fuck did he make those? Those turtles are gigantic. Glasses that big don't exist unless they're in big. The picture that cartoon I saw, it looks like they didn't connect in the middle. It looked like they came down over like. No, there's like a big this. piece of tape. Is there in, a big in piece of middle. tape? Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess there is. Yeah, like I. And then, I'm sorry. That looks like. <laughs> that looks like a really offensive, like, culture picture. <laughs> Do you see it? Oh, Donnie. Yeah. It does. Darcy. It does. It looks like... It looks like a really bad stereotyped picture. So we do our best, week in and week out, to keep it classy here. Do we? Do we do our best? You don't. Because we don't all. keep it classy, ever. You and Matt. Ginger was even shaking her head. You and Matt do your <laughs> I hear this shit every week. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So just meh. That's it. No, I wouldn't say meh. I, I enjoyed it. It was good, but it wasn't great by any means. Do you feel it, like they put a lot of stuff in the trailers that they've been releasing? It was like all the funny parts in no, there? No, no. Um, I don't think they showed all that much in the previews. 
um, leading I do, up. I do like the, you know, we're, uh, we're ninjas, we're teenagers, but we can still have adult conversations. That fucking cracks me Michelangelo up was, was definitely the, the strongest part of the movie. He was hilarious. Um, there, but it was so hard, and I thought about it after the movie... It felt to me like this movie is like 10 or 15 years old. And I don't even know why I feel that way. And I don't mean in terms of the quality of the, the special effects. I feel like maybe in terms of the storytelling. The storytelling was really, really simple. Granted, I feel like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles maybe appeals to a, a lower like age demographic than maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, even though they have similar senses of humor. Guardians of the Galaxy is a little smarter. Was it? There wasn't a whole lot complex about the Guardians plot. And, disclaimer, I loved that movie. We can't talk about Guardians anymore. We'll get in trouble. Fair. But, um, Turtles was really, really straightforward. There was... There... It was painfully predictable. Um, but... Whatever it still gives you a lot of what you are gonna like, like the turtles. All four of them are great. Um, Splinter was really fucking cool. Like, um, there's a. Can I spoil anything? Like, I'm not gonna spoil the whole. You movie. hate spoilers, and now you want to shell out a bunch of spoilers. That's what I do on the podcast. No, my fault. None of you people saw the movie. We always do. This. I'm fine. Oh, but I. I'm fine spoiling whatever. I'm fine with spoilers. I'm just calling shenanigans or whatever on the fact that you hate spoilers. Because there's a couple questions I'd like answered, it. but they're absolutely well. I get spoiler pissy questions. when you know Harry Potter's coming out. And then somebody fucking, like, spoils the movie before I can even see it on opening night because he read the book and I didn't. That pisses me off. Did somebody do that? So in yes. Game of Thrones. Was it somebody at this table? <laughs> no. Damn. It was somebody I work with. I thought you might have done that. Alright. We all enjoy that. spoilers. Book Go spoilers, play. movie spoilers. And this part. isn't even... I'm not going to, yeah, like, spoil the shit so out of the movie. This is a sequence where um, maybe midway through Shredder fights Splinter. And, um... Shredder or Shredder bot? Shredder fights Splinter. There was no Shredder bot. And, um... Splinter is like a quarter of the size of Shredder. And he's standing there with with his katana... And Shredder comes in and does something, and, and Splinter, like, does this, like, ninja move, if you can believe it. And he, like, kicks Shredder in the chest before you even know what's going on. And, and I love the audience participation, because nobody exactly saw that happening, because Splinter was a total badass. And the audience is like, "Whoa, man! It was, like, crazy. Um, and it was I love the theater that fun. you went to. <laughs> I do, too. Same guys that saw Guardians with us and were singing and shit um, behind me? I don't know, but the, I like I like an engaged audience. Did you, did you see Ninja Turtles or Medea's Ninja Turtles? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the latter. <laughs> I have a question. How was Megan Fox? Did she stink or was she all right? Sexy, but stinky. Mm, right. That's her typical... <laughs> Acting you know, style. I know Megan Fox gets a lot of shit for 
people tend to hate on her. I'm not exactly sure why, but because she a bitch apparently. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's what everybody says, but she's got bitch face. Look at his face. Look at his face. That says, "I'm a bitch." Some and that's her have, smiling. <laughs> she's overjoyed. Some people have resting bitch face. It's just. I would just assume she was an idiot. She's got bitch idiot syndrome. She she was a little subdued in her acting. She didn't like over kind of do it in maybe some instances she maybe should have. The girl that played April O'Neil in the original movie was better at it. But she um, was also about a thousand. Not then. She was an appropriate April O'Neil age because she she was a reporter. Can't be nineteen-year-old teeny bopper. She wasn't working for the high school newspaper. She was working for an actual. She wasn't a blogger. I mean, she was okay. She wasn't terrible. Will Arnett was just kind of there as. I was hoping he was going to be as a as a funny kind of. Well, he was funny, but he kind of was unnecessary. Like you Mm -hmm. could have just combined the April O'Neil character and Will Arnett probably into one. Um, but they put Will Arnett in there just because you needed a few extra Megan laughs. Fox isn't funny. Yeah, I don't think she has the comedic timing. I mean, there were a couple funny things where she was like telling, um, she would kind of blab about what she had seen. Um, you know, she witnessed these turtles and she's telling her roommate all this and kind of going off about it like, oh my God, oh my God. And then the roommate's like on the phone with her mom and she's like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to move home. So it was kind of funny stuff like that. Um, yeah, but overall, her, her acting was a little, um, toned down, maybe. It wasn't bad. She just didn't have much to work with, I don't think. She wasn't, I mean, here's the thing. They made April O'Neil almost the main character of the movie, but yet she was probably the least interesting thing about the movie. I think they could have done a lot more with her. And I don't necessarily think it was Megan Fox's fault. Maybe they knew what range they had to work with, so they felt uh, the need to pare it down. Well, do you think that the character was written and then she was cast, or the other way around? I think she, I, from how I heard it went down, she was already cast. Mm. It sounded like her and Michael Bay like made I, up, and yeah, I thought there was some kind of falling out. With I thought them. there was a falling out, but then it sounded like they made up, and they were like the BS. BFFs, and then he was going to yeah. put her in his next movie. Yeah, this this was a surprise whenever they cast her because there was a big internet thing about how shitty she was on the set of Transformers, and he didn't involve her in the third one. So the big action sequence of the of the movie is um, the sequence that we've all seen in the trailers, where um, the turtles are sliding down the snow covered hill. Where does that take place? Yeah. Like where in the world? Yeah, somewhere north of of New York. Hmm. <laughs> Some kind of the um, I forget what the actor's name is. Um, the 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 bad guy. He's not Shredder. William Fitchter. Yeah, him. He lives in a mansion on the top of this hill, and it's like a big mountain, and they slide down the mountain. That's what it is. I knew they were going to do that. And and it is not a quick sequence. It's it's long, it's drawn out, but it's pretty cool. You know what it kind of reminded me of? The sequence in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the, the truck chase, which to me is probably the big action sequence of that movie, whereas this would probably be the big action sequence of this movie. Um, 
And the turtles were, were all cool. Every single one of them. Um, they all had their own moments. Um, my, my favorites in the movie, I would rank them Mikey, Donatello, Leonardo, and then Raphael. Raphael has a great moment toward the end, though. So, it's pretty good. So, the more I'm talking about, the more I'm liking it, actually. I know it sounds like you. Uh, yeah. with, You're selling you, yourself. I was giving it. I was giving it maybe sales, a six. Maybe maybe I'm going to go to a seven. Seven, seven, oh, seven. That's, that's yeah. high territory right there. Did you give Guardians a seven? No, I gave it eight. We were eights and and one nine. Who was the nine? Dom was Dom was not. I I can go with it. He liked it that much. I liked it a lot too. I wouldn't give it a nine. It wasn't that good, but. So being, I can understand um, why I gave it a nine. I didn't. It's good. I didn't get to see turtles, but I had the nerd feelers out, and every Ew. every tweet. Yeah. Or, yeah. Keep those to yourself, dude. You're gonna ten, get tetanus. Technically, yeah. you don't get tetanus from doing that. I don't know. It depends on what nerds you're touching. Oh, Dylan Mahaffey, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All the all the headlines and comments I heard about this movie was that it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Like I heard no good reviews or critiques of it. But the numbers say differently. It pulled in I think ninety four million dem- or worldwide. Can I ask a question though? Yeah. Did you hear anything specific about it? Why it was bad? Or did people just say didn't like it? Um. I heard just different stuff about the characters and the plot, the way the story played out. The plot was weak. So the characters were likable. Plot was weak. Yeah, but ultimately, I, I didn't hear anything anything good about it. And online, there seemed to be a legitimate push for don't go see it because if even if you know it's bad and you go see it. They're gonna make a sequel, so just don't bother. But and I as Matt pointed out earlier um, on our text message conversation, they already have a sequel in line. Yeah. On Sunday, they came out and said that they're going to go ahead and do that. Um, I I kind of had the same reaction where the things that I was reading all kind of pointed to you know a bad Rotten Tomatoes score, which is usually a pretty good barometer of what people feel about a movie. And just things like, uh, CG was questionable here and there. That's one thing I heard. From everything that I've seen, it looked pretty solid, but... Yeah, there were some sequences that were better than others, but... Regardless of any of this, I'm still going to go see this movie. I'm still excited. I think that it'll be fun to see the Turtles again Yeah, I was. I was just surprised that there was such a vehement online outpouring of shut this thing down right now. Don't give it any money. I'm interested... Like, even stuff like Iron Man 3 that's pretty much panned over the board. Not like something like Green Lantern or Ghost Rider. Like, I haven't seen any movie... Where people it, said, don't go see it. broke such a reaction yeah. before this one. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm interested to see how it stacks up against Trans- the new Transformers movie... I went to go see that. It wasn't very good. Made a lot of movie or a lot of money. Um, it's well, it up was a, a lot of movie. It was a lot of movie. It <laughs> was, was it like four hours, hours long, and it was a lot of money. So I, I'd like to see how those because I think those are similar products. Yeah. Both Michael Bay. I saw Transformers. Did you? Uh-huh. 
What did you think about Transformers? I thought it was one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen. Well, that's bold. Much like being... It wasn't... It, I don't think it was very good, It but. was almost unwatchable. I would give it a two. Ooh. Ooh. A dreaded two. two. You know what happens with a negative two-point swing on the two? I don't know what happens. The unheard of zero. Ooh. Two's the lowest that we've had from a movie that we've seen so far. What would you give Transformers for? Uh, it, gets, it gets four. It wasn't very good. I liked the first one to a degree. I, I thought the first one was good, but then I I felt like you could just end it there. Like, I feel like... I feel like they make the decision to make the sequel before they even know what the numbers are. Yeah. Like, let's not pretend that they were waiting to see how well Ninja Turtles did before they determined if they're going to make Ninja Turtles 2. They already knew well, before Ninja Turtles 1 came they out. They probably were like, they we sold a lot of advertising. Yeah. They had it ready to go. And then as soon as it hit the big screen and, like, it did, mo- you know, they're like, all right, pull the trigger on it. Right, like, It's right, not right. like they were sitting in a room going, oh, maybe we should do a Ninja Turtles this little 2. Little they, they already knew as soon along. as they started Ninja talking Turtles, about 1. If Ninja Turtles made... 10 million bucks, they would have been like, oh yeah, we're, I disagree. we're not planning they, on making a sequel. They do sequels all the time now. Well, then where, where shitty, is the sequel movies. to uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? And where is the sequel to... Because America well, doesn't make coming, sequels Which yeah. is kind of funny. They're making a trilogy. Was, Didn't that make money? Like, that was... That's my point. They're, they're not going to make this. But the that's sequel. the thing. That's the thing, though, right? Like, this is slightly insulting, but really good movies that really take a lot of effort to make, we're not keen on making sequels to them. We want to make as much money as we can with as little effort and output as possible. And shit like Transformers and Ninja Turtles that have a shitload of action and a shitload of CG that people are just like, oh, it's got action and CG! Here's 20 bucks! I'm going to go see it. Like, people are more willing... To give movies like that a try, then movies with a little bit more, uh, you know, something that they're not used to. And that's just, that's just how it is. It's not bad or good. It's, it's in, just... The Girl Who Kicked the Hornet's Nest wanna, is in development. But Girls with Dragon wanna, Tattoo came out in 2011. People just like to sit back and... Three years ago. And, and they let also... Their mind shut down for an hour. And the I studios also are always looking for... The next franchise. How can we turn this into three movies or yeah. four movies or or a spinoff and and something like Ninja Turtles, Transformers? Those are all the perfect recipe for. Exactly. With exactly with it said, I would like to see a Ninja Turtles sequel. You know, this movie didn't get into a whole lot, really. Um, there's no Casey Jones. There was no. Bebop and Rocksteady, there was no Krang, there was no kind of, I don't know, kind of weird interdimensional stuff. No Rat King? No Rat King. No Yosagi Yojimbo. No Neutrinos. Boo. No Mondo Gecko. You remember that guy? No, but I remember the frog dude. He was had like a Hawaiian shirt. He was. I had the action. I remember him. Maybe Ninja Turtles 2, Battletoads, Ninja Turtles mashup. No Battletoads fans here? Oh, there you go. No. No, <laughs> no, no Battletoads fans here. So, Matt, it did, it did pretty good numbers-wise. 
It did, yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It didn't light the world on fire, but it was number one. It yeah, it Guardians. Beat Guardians. I did not, when I was sitting in the movie with um, with the crowd that I was with. It was a a modest crowd in terms of the numbers. Vocal crowd. Uh, not modest in terms of uh, the 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 volume level, but. I thought there is no way this movie dethrones Guardians. There's no way, and it did. I think that Guardians might get it next weekend, even as a third week movie. What comes out this yeah. coming week? Any anything big? Ah, oh, shit! There was something. I, Isn't I forget. Sin City coming pretty soon? Um, it might not be this week though. It might be next week. We're gonna do a McSauce. For Sin City? Paul doesn't sense. really like Sin City. Darcy, do you like Sin City? I like Sin City, okay. Um, I did not see the first one in theater, though. We rented the first one. Sin Shitty. You're a jerk. I thought it was pretty Is good. Is that the face? Kind of yeah, a little bit. Let's Be Cops, The Expendables 3. That's, that's kind of... Um, August 13th, oh, Let's wow, Be Cops, August 15th. The Expendables 3. I am shocked at August the, 22nd, Sin City. I'm shocked at the speed with which they're cranking out Expendables movies. I feel like we get a new one of those every year. We kind of do. Yeah, I think you do. Those movies are fun. I don't give a shit. Fast I'll probably go see it. Yeah, that, they're right there. Right every along with years, the... Every two years, 2010, well, they got to crank and out as many as they can before one of them bites four's, the dust. four's on deck. I heard Robin Williams was going to be... Oh, it's too soon. How oh, fucking dare you. How dare you. Put that hand down. No high fives for that. No low fives either. Darcy, don't do it. Well, only because he... Didn't give me grief for when I made a bad joke earlier. You're still laughing at it, <laughs> So, yeah, I think that uh, this coming weekend, Guardians isn't going to have much. They'll have some people going back to see Turtles, some Expendables here and there, but um, I think Guardians will probably capture that number one spot again. It probably will. I would think so. I think the word of mouth on it is so good, whereas the word of mouth on Turtles... I mean, I think I just gave the most positive review in existence for that movie. <laughs> probably. It looked a lot better than everything I've heard about it. I think it's about as good as it looked in the previews. But I think it'll also just get progressively shittier from here on out. I think it's just going to be exactly like the Transformers. Yeah. It's I think, be, I the first one was like, yeah. all right, yeah. yeah and then yeah. the second one, third one. I think yeah. it's hilarious so that you said it felt like an old movie, but you don't know why. I can't put it, like, I, I don't know if it's in the simplicity of the, the movie structure, like the story, it, the predictability of it. Um, the, the effects didn't feel 2000. Haven't they been talking about making this movie for a long time? Yeah. You feel like they maybe wrote it in, like, 2008 and it then just, like, shelved really it? It actually had a really modest budget. Yeah. And for this kind of a movie. Yeah. And maybe that showed through a little bit. You know, like, maybe maybe the set pieces themselves were a little bit uninteresting for the most part. But yet, the C- they put all the money into the CG. That might be it. It felt a little vacant sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of life to it, if that makes sense. Like, a lot of the stuff sort of felt like it was taking place in a vacuum. Yeah. So you would your official call is tell people to go see Ninja Turtles? 
I think so. I mean, look, if you don't Unless like... Unless you'd rather see Guardians. Unless you'd rather see Guardians, again, I'd recommend that. But, you know, Ninja Turtles, yeah, you're going to go and they're going to make a sequel. It's, maybe this isn't exactly what you wanted, but, you know, look at Spider-Man. They, they, people don't like the look of the Turtles now, right? The overall consensus is they're weird looking. But yet, in Spider-Man, he looked kind of shitty in the first one. And then in the second movie, they give you the best-looking Spider-Man you've ever had. No explanation why does he look better or different. He just does, and you go with it. Do you think that they could tr- do that drastic change with the way the turtles look? Like, that seems like they... I don't think prob- they this go- is the way we're going to get the turtles. I don't know if they could go that drastic, but maybe you make them a little bit smaller. You make them... A little bit less like weird in the face with the lips and everything. The Just lips and the nose, really. <laughs> the nose is what does it for people. I feel like it's the lips, man. It's... Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Bad. It's weird. And here's another little gripe that I had. They're ninjas, right? And they're jumping around like ninjas and doing the ninja fighting like ninjas do. But what they didn't what they relied too heavily on was was sheer strength. And they were like Superman. You know, when they would punch you, you would fly through a wall. That was a little heavy-handed, if you will. Oh, God. <laughs> Terrible. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's yeah. laughing. Even somewhere <laughs> out there, Robin like Williams grandpa. is like, that dude's funny. <laughs> Comedy gold. Uh, I left it in good hands. You guys are welcome to make your own jokes. Can I do this for a second? Yeah, sure. Paul, you got anything funny to say? I can't. I can't compete with that. No, you can't. I can't compete with Pun City over there. <laughs> Pun City's all black and white. Bleeds white ink. Mm. I feel like there was a third topic we were going to talk <laughs> about tonight, but I can't think of what it was for the life of me. I know we were going to get get into what you've been reading, but I, I thought I thought there was something in between turtles and what you've been reading. And did we cover everything about the Steel City Con that you wanted to talk about? I thought so. Yeah, okay. and the death of Robin Williams just fucked up my whole game tonight. I thought you were going to say just the death of Robin. And I was like, that. Happened. That was a long ass yeah. time ago. Uh, Matt. Oh, at um. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It hit you. It struck you. It does look like that. <laughs> All right. Why don't go ahead? Ask, ask Matt. What you I was just going to ask him, Matt. We were at Steel City Con, walking around, looking at some action figures and figurines, and you stumbled across a couple of Star Wars statues oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were. The, it was the last day. They were priced out at sixty dollars, and you walked past them, and you kind of said to me, "Like, I wonder, if, I wonder if I should go back there and try to maybe talk them out of this price." What did what ended up happening with that? Yeah, actually, they were the um, the gentle giant um, sculpted Star Wars animated looking um, Star Wars characters. I don't know if you guys remember those from maybe about five years ago. Um, they have a really cool look to them, um, and they're actually priced at fifty dollars a piece. And uh, they had a, a C-3PO, which was really cool because he's standing next to a Jawa that's holding his arm. Um, he had 
Princess Leia, who has uh, R2-D2 by her side. Who looks super sexy. Yeah, she really does. Um, it's, it's You know what? It looks like it's taken from the Bruce Tim artwork. Yeah, that's why it looks that hot. Yeah, that's why those titties look the way they do. Because no one draws titties like that. They have except, those... Except Bruce Tim. Upturned aerodynamic titties. Yeah. Those those rocket titties. Bruce Tim staple. And then the third one that I got was um, Luke Skywalker in his X-Wing gear. I, I believe he's on Hoth because it looks like a snow base that, he ha- that he's standing in. So anyway, I bought them. I, what I did was I went back and I... Was originally I was thinking, because I think I even said to you, Ian, what if I offer the guy thirty bucks for one of them? And then I thought about, well, wait. Oh, I, f- I forgot you're a, you're a haggler. Uh, what if I do? I'll do two for sixty, and two for sixty sounded like much more of a steal than one for thirty, even though it's the exact same thing. And then the more I thought about, it, I was like, you know what? I came with a hundred bucks. What about all three for a hundred? So I. It was three forty or four forty five. The place closed. Oh no, three forty five. They closed at four. It's like fifteen minutes before everybody's gonna leave. And I went up to him and I said, "Hey, I'm kind of interested in those Star Wars things. Would you consider all three of them for a hundred bucks?" And the two dudes that were sitting at the table looked at one another and like, "Okay." And that was that. So I got all three for um, for hundred bucks, which. They're, they're big statues. They're like, um, I don't know, maybe about 10 inches tall. I mean, they're not... I, I sent a picture to you, and I don't think that the picture does them justice. Yeah, I was like, oh no, they ripped you off. They gave you little 3-inch figures. Because they look small in the picture, but the boxes were gigantic. Did I, I didn't send you the, the next picture. No. Nah. I put a book in it for scale. Yeah, no, I just got... I just got them like that, and I was like, oh, Matt, you got the wrong ones. Yeah, but I'm really happy with them. I I absolutely love that art style. It, it really does feel like Bruce Tim drew Star Wars characters, and and they came to life in a 3D way. Um, yeah, Gentle Giant and... Lucasfilm and, and I guess Bruce Tim are all responsible okay. for that. There are, there are more to the series, which at this point I sort of feel like, well, no, I gotta get them all. There's three more. There's um, there's a stormtrooper, a Boba Fett, and a Darth Vader. Um, and I've seen the Darth Vader, and it's really cool. And and this animated style is very different than what they've done in Rebels. Like if you look at the stormtrooper that they do for these, it's. It's substantially different than what the Stormtrooper looks like on Rebels. This makes me want them to produce a 2D animated style, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, you know, version of these this cartoon and these, these figures like cool that. That would be they awesome. Did a full length, just straight up retelling. Shot for shot. That'll shot for shot, good. but done with like Bruce Tim animation. That would be really cool. It really would be. I would love that. Paul? Yeah, it would be interesting. I would check it out. The General Giant Stormtrooper statue is kind of weird looking because he's running kind of awkwardly. Yeah. Well, did you ever see them run? Yeah, they're terrible soldiers. (laughs) Terrible soldiers. 
So since we call ourselves the Comic Book Podcast... That's what we call ourselves. Perhaps it's time to dedicate a few minutes to comic books. Darcy, you have been a big fan of Marvel's relaunch of Ms. Marvel. Mm Mm-hmm. I have been. Ian... I can't. I may have this wrong, but I feel like you started getting it and you flamed out because she was too ethnic. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like the story Who's all the that most much. racist one now? Yeah, yeah, right. It's, Ironic. It, it's my turn. <laughs> I felt that um, not that she was too ethnic. That the writing just smashed you over the head, and you had to remember that this character, you know, has this background. Remember, remember what we told you last page. So, while I liked the art style, I thought it was really cool. I liked the idea of a different Ms. Marvel. I didn't like the way that it was presented. So, after about three issues or so, I checked out. But, since it's something that you like, let me let me know. Tell me why I should check back in, Darcy. Um, I really like it for several, several reasons. I respectfully disagree with your assessment of the whole uh, how much her religion is played out in her life. I like how PC you are. (laughs) (laughs) After after the... Someone's got to bring some class. After the purge arguments, the Han and Lucas friends arguments, I respect your opinion, Ian, (laughs) but... That's not how we do things here. Well, that's, I mean, that's how, you know, people talk to each other when they respect the other person that they're having a nice debate with. I guess that's what, that's what's been missing. Yes, respect. respect. Um, the reason it didn't bother me was because it is such an important part or main part of her life. Like, we're looking at this girl, 16... Um, she doesn't, you know, if you look at Spider-Man, you know, he's a, he's a teenager, but he's, you know, volunteering at this science lab and he's working for a newspaper and you see that in and out all the time because those are very important aspects of his life. Well, when you look at the new Ms. Marvel, she's just very involved either by choice or by choice of her parents in her religion so that's why you're seeing it you know played out as much as you are she's you know has to go to her you know mosh she has to go talk to her religious leaders you know because her parents are like that's your punishment you know aunt may is all over spider-man because she's a very important part so i think it's just something that people just may not be used to um And so it seems like they're hitting us over the head with it. But I think if you take a step back and you relate it to other um, things in other comic book characters' lives, it's really not that more shoved in your face than anything else that any of those characters experience. Um, So that's sort of how I felt on that aspect. As for other reasons why I like it, I really like how realistic it is in terms of Here's this teenage girl who has absolutely no assets to invest in her own I'm becoming a superhero. And it plays out a really comical way. It's very realistic to me. It's, you know, 
oh crap, I'm going to be a superhero. I need a costume. I'm going to take the little sleeper mask that you wear when you go to sleep at night and cut eyes out of it. Like, because that's what a 16-year-old would do. That would be their impromptu, like, holy shit, I need a... It's not all of a sudden, oh, I have awesome powers. Next page, look at this kick-ass costume I have. But like Spider-Man movie style. Yeah, exactly. Oh, did I mention I'm a movie-level seamstress? Exactly. But for the first three issues, it is. Because I've only read the first three, and I don't know what happens between three and four, but for the first three... The first? She can change into whatever she wants, clothes included. But she doesn't have any control over it. But she does. So, well, she to doesn't realize that she does. So the first three, she can change into it, but she can't. She's still learning how to not look exactly like the original Ms. Marvel, how to look like Carol Danvers. She's just, that's just automatically what she's turning into. And I think it's because she's such a fan. And, she, you know, if you really look at the character, you know, that in the last issue, she meets Wolverine, and she's writing, talking about how she wrote Wolverine fan fiction. I mean, this girl's like an uber geek. She's an uber nerd. She's in a reality where superheroes are real. She's up late at night writing fan fiction about them. So that's exactly where her brain's going to go, and her brain, you know, controlling her is going to turn her into that. Now, when you get past issue three, she gets to the point where she realizes, okay, I don't have I can control it. I can just still look like me. Okay, but then the problem with that is now I need a costume. But then you've already built the science of that story where, all right, I can still look like me, but I can create whatever costume I want. So why would she even bother creating a costume out of actual fabric when she can just do it herself? Because she's... You think that, but she can't actually... She's still... When you get... Just read issue number four. Because actually, when I read issue number one, my reaction was, I fucking hate Marvel. They've ruined it already. I hated it. I hated it after issue number one. Because initially, when she first gets her powers... When she gets her powers, she turns out, here I am, like, yeah, they're going to have a diverse character. It's going to be different. It's going to be something new. And as soon as she gets her power, she's blonde bombshell Ms. Marvel. And I was like, fuck you, Marvel. And I was like, I hate you. I was like, oh, they got one thing, right? And, you know, Dylan's like, well, you know, why don't you try out a couple more issues? And once I got past that first little hump, I was like, okay, this really is, I forgive it. I forgive you, Marvel, because you did. You you turned it around, and I thought you were digging yourself a grave, and you actually zigged when I thought you were going to zag. So they surprised me. So I I implore you to read issue number four. Um, It's very much that she learns not to turn automatically into Ms. Marvel, but then she learns like, okay, well then wait. <laughs> but now I can't do this and I can't do that. It's She can only sort of seem to do one thing at a time. She can heal herself, but to heal herself, she has to turn back into herself because she can't figure out how to do it at the same time. So it's it's very much going along with her. I'm sure she'll get to the point where she, whenever she turns, she can turn into whatever she wants. But she's at the point now where she's trying to figure out how to do multiple things at one point in time. And she seems to only be able to do one thing at a time, maybe two if she's lucky. So that's why she automatically can't just, boom, awesome costume. So that's another reason why I liked it a lot. Um, I really liked it a lot just because it is so different than what your average normal superhero comic book is. It's a really different book, and I think the artwork has has a lot to do with that. I love the artwork. 
Like, I I love the artwork, but not for that book. See, I love it because I feel like it's quirky and it matches her personality. I feel like it's like if she were to draw her own comic, it's how she would draw it. It's so quirky and, like, it just matches her. It feels like, the artwork feels like it would be a really good children's book. Like, if you took a Shel Silverstein story <laughs> and put it, put this artwork with it, it would be a match made in heaven. But for for the story they're trying to tell here, it seems like it seems like a kid's book to me because the artwork brings it down a level. It's the same tone, the same style of story that they're telling in Nova, but Nova has classic superhero artwork. But Nova's fighting bigger villains and things like that. I only read three issues, but Nova's fighting um, detention, chores at home. Overbearing mother, same stuff Kamala Khan is going through. Doesn't Nova go into space and fight villains in like the first three episode or first three issues? Doesn't that happen? It's, I mean, yeah, the, Kamala Khan stays on a street and fights Mist. Yeah, they're different. They're different stories, but the tone is the same. It's it's not taken too seriously. There's a good bit of comedy woven throughout. They're both high schoolers. You know, trying to handle these brand new superpowers. The tone of both books is the same, but the fact that Ms. Marvel has this children's artwork to it, especially the way they draw her dad, with, you know, he's just big and lumpy and he's got the really big nose. It looks like children's storybook art. I don't, I don't get it. I get, like, indie comic book. Yeah. Like, it's small press stuff, and that's exactly what Marvel's going for. Now, yeah, but there's, like, when I think of, like, indie stuff and small press stuff, I think of Javier Polito on She-Hulk, or David Aja on Hawkeye. Stuff like that. Like, this the is, way that... This is similar But all, in the, all the colors are a lot softer, there are no inks, like, all the hard... All the hard... That, right there, that's where you're softer. going. It feels more watercolored The no inks thing is your sticking point. You no, hate no inks. You're right. I don't hate no inks because a lot of the time... In superhero artwork, I hate no inks. Because it's just a cheat to get this done well, quicker. we got to get the book out. Or a choice. But Ms. Marvel feels... It, it just feels like watercolor. It's really good artwork, but like it would be better in a children's book. Now you should get to issue number six, though, because there's a new artist in issue number six. And you can see that in issue number six, the new artist is trying to... Um, pull in some of the aspects of the first five issues. Now, I don't know if this is going to be if they just were subbing for for an issue or if this is going to be how it's going to be throughout the whole thing. I think they did a good job of trying to hold true to the original quirkiness of it, um, but it is visibly different. So you may feel differently when you get to issue number six when it comes to the artwork. And I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't dislike the artwork or the story. I just don't feel it's um, I don't feel it's the right they're not really matching up for me um, I just really like I, I see a little bit of young Darcy <laughs> <laughs> it's just she has a really fun personality and she seems to get in over her head a lot um, but just she seems very realistic in comparison to a lot of the superhero comics that I've read in my past. Would you say that the fact that she's way into the superhero business and she's writing fanfic, do you think that's 
ham-handedly catering to the audience that they want to buy this book. It might be, but is it so wrong? I mean, is it so wrong to be like, you know, playing up your audience? I mean, that's what everybody does anyway at the end of the day. I mean, to make... You've had superheroes all over the gamut of, you know, where they fall on the dork spectrum. I mean, she's just... She's falling on the same spectrum as all the other ones have. I mean, she's... It's not like they're doing something that has never been done before. They're just yeah, approaching it in a more internet-savvy way. They're they're using pop, pop, pop culture to their advantage. The fact that the fan fiction ties so directly into nerd culture right now, same way I've never liked that Kyle Rayner is a comic book artist. It's too on-the-nose. Like, it's too meta and inside. Like, I would prefer her to be into, like something else. Like, if she was, like, way into, like, romance novels, just some weird thing like that, I'd be like, alright. But as soon as I read that, I was like, alright, I'm out. This is, it's too... But I still like it, and that's a very minor gripe for the book for me. But it was just... Eh, just didn't sit right with me. Who's, who's drawing issue six? I forget. Beyond, beyond take pardon me, I forget. Is that doing the number six. like, artist going forward? I don't know. I don't know if they were just subbing or if that's the new artist going forward. Um, but you can tell immediately that it's a different artist. What's the general consensus from the like fanboys online about the artwork in this book? Is it is it positive? Is it does anybody know? I don't know what the consensus is, is from people. I mean, this is the first reaction that I've heard from anybody else besides myself, really, to this uh, book. I I think the most enjoyable thing of it was the art. And I, I also think that that's a pitfall for them moving forward if they are going to change an artist or something like that. It's a really difficult style to emulate, I'd say. Yeah, so, so what, they, what the new artist is doing is he's still they're still keeping true to the looks of the characters, but when you get up in on it, the, the squiggliness of the lines becomes a lot cleaner yeah. in issue number six. Okay. Everything, everything seems a little bit more cleaned up. It reminds me of a little bit slightly less stylized version of the art in Chew. Can you see that at all? A little bit. Yeah. Or that Hero Bear. Oh, who, who writes that? Brian Kunkel? I don't know. Hero. I know what Hero Bear is, but kind I don't know. It reminds me of that, too. The, uh, Marvel's inviting problems whenever they get such a an artist with such a specific style to get on an ongoing because eventually they're not going to do it. Like, David Asia has been in and out of Hawkeye since the very beginning. And they keep trying Cliff, to get fill-ins. And even some, someone like Cliff Chang was in and out of Wonder Woman from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And, like, Wonder Woman did a pretty good job. Uh, Tony Akins was fairly similar. But then you you go from David Asia on Hawkeye to Brian Polito. And Brian Polito's work is dog shit. And it's just such a drop from one artist to the next. And I feel like if they start playing fast and loose with, with artists on this book, they're going to run into the same problems where going from issue to issue is really jarring. They might. They might. Well, what they should do is, is let these artists and writers do a full run, have the book come out once a month, 
and just kind of go with that kind of schedule. And then when the artist or writer burns out, then bring somebody else in like they used to do in the old days, like the old days, like the nineties, you know, you would, ah, the nineties, you would have Jim Lee on a book or something. And then for like three or four years, like he was on uncanny X-Men for a long time. And that's fine. I mean, nobody else is Jim Lee, but it's okay that Jim Lee's got his own style and everything. How could he hit those deadlines back in the day? He and, still does. And, like, Uncanny came out all the time. I don't remember any kind of gaps in Uncanny he's, coming out. He still does. I think all those guys were took it a lot more seriously because they were building up their um, resumes, really. Then Jim Lee started getting those paychecks and was like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> we all would. We all would. I don't know. Never miss a strip day. That's true. I had one ready for tonight if you didn't do one. I was ready. I was on it. Because I didn't know what you had in the can. I was going to text you last night and be like, are you going to have something or do I need to like keep doing some shit? Well, did anybody else read anything over the last week or so? I read uh, the first three issues of Ms. Marvel. And I read the latest issue of Green Lantern, which I think has spurred me to the decision of not getting that book anymore. Uh-oh. You mean the Green Lantern that you wear so proudly on your on your skin? Yeah, it's it, it's bad. It sucks. Yeah? It sucks. The art is terrible. Um, now, I would, I would put Green Lantern in the top five DC heroes. Like, there's five DC books that need top tier artists all the time and once Doug Mankey left Green Lantern with Jeff Johns it's uh, Philip Tan sucks he's sloppy he's messy his human heads are garbage it's a mess like every issue is just up and down all over the place it's a mess the writing is bad the story is in the face of everything Jeff Johns put together and you're like, whoa, 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 why is it going to be like Jeff Johns? Just because it's your favorite doesn't mean it can't be different. True. But the Jeff Johns run is widely renowned as the best Green Lantern run. Better than all the old John Broom stuff. Maybe not as good as the O'Neill, Adams, Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff. Well, you're but- just saying that to be nice. You've never read that stuff, right? Yeah, I have. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah. But and not not just from my opinion, but when you know, when comic fans talk about the best runs on with Green Lantern, it's the Green Arrow, Green Lantern stuff and Jeff Johns run. So, you know, Jeff Johns built 9 years of some of the best Green Lantern work and then Robert Venditti gets on board and he's like, "Fuck it. All that stuff that you did that everyone loves, I'm out. It's dumb. I'm changing it." All those new characters that you that you invented that felt like they've been part of the DC universe since the beginning of time, fuck them. I'm creating my new characters that are one-dimensional and boring and suck. What is your most hated thing that's taken place since Jeff Johns has left the book? The fact that our emotions are finite. At some point... The big reservoir of love and hate and fear behind the source wall, way out in space. It's going to run out, and human life will stop existing because we just 
won't have any feelings anymore. Can you refill them? No, you cannot. What the hell? Which is, and that's and that's in like direct opposition to what Jeff Johns set out with was that so long as there's life coming ever. Huh? What'd you say? Oh no! Those fighting words. Look out! I didn't hear what you said. I thought I heard coming. I said this sounds like the gayest comic ever. Well, you wouldn't be wrong. There is. It is now. It used to be super straight and Republican. There, there. It's the um, you know rainbow core, if you will. The way Jeff John set it up was, so long as there was life in the universe, putting this energy out into the universe, there would be all that power to draw from. And Robert Venditti's like, mm, I got this. I'm changing all of that, going directly against it. And it's some weird, heavy-handed way of speaking about the environment and how we need to watch our resources Does better. Captain Planet? Yeah, that's what it's, that's what it's like now. And it's, it's, they had rings too, right? It's, this, Does Hal Jordan have a mullet? <laughs> this know. is Captain Planet. That's I don't know, what you just described. I'm not buying it anymore. It's Captain Planet. Are you officially done? That yeah. was your final issue. Um, really? I was. I've been on the fence for a long time because it's been bad. He's my favorite character. He's only in one book. He's not in the other Green Lantern titles. He's not in Justice League. I only get Hal Jordan in Green Lantern. So I've been hanging on as long as I could. But the last straw was the big two-page ad for God's Head, the big crossover with the new gods coming up from now until December, I guess, and I'm out. I hate everything the Green Lantern team has been writing on these books, and I hate the new gods. The new gods are he, fucking he garbage. The double hate. dip of hate. <laughs> double dip of hate. The new gods are garbage. I don't care what Jack Kirby did. In his career, the Fuck new gods him. are fucking terrible. They he should have stuck with Spider-Man and Fantastic Four because everything he did for DC was a big stinky turd on the comic book page. They're awful. And now they're starting to bring them all back. They're bringing them back in Batman and Robin. Uh, you know, uh, Orion has been in Wonder Woman. And they're terrible. They're all terrible except for Darkseid. He's the only cool one. That old comic smell will back me up <laughs> on the new gods argument. But now Green Lantern's doing a big crossover with um, with the New Gods now. I'm, I'm out. I hate. I hate it. I can't do it. So until there's a creative team change, I'm done. Matt, have you read anything lately? On Saturday, I read The Woods number one. <laughs> Sounds like a deep cut to me. It is um, a Boom Studios production. Um, Ew, what made you do this to yourself? Uh, I was working at uh, my friend's comic book store for um, seven hours, actually, on Saturday. Jesus. And what indie schlock. And, what uh, friend's comic store would that be? Uh, is just any? Is just any friend? Is just any comic store? My friend Jeff. It's his comic book store. It's called Arkham Gift Shop. Um, it's located in, uh, lovely Hampton, PA, on ah, Route 8. I know Hampton, PA. And, uh, it actually, um, I probably should have done this for housekeeping, but a little plug for it. Um, this Saturday, if you go to Arkham Gift Shop, 
Uh, he's got some pretty cool sales, like 20% off graphic novels, $1 back issues, and um, what is it, like 20% off uh, comic sets. Um, but it's Hot Dog Saturday, so you can come out and get like oh. free hot dog and um, or a couple free hot dogs if you know if you're really hungry. I'm a fan of hot dogs and comics, so and comic this sales pretty good. Bad. Yeah, it's not bad. So the Woods by Boom Studios. Yeah, it's written by James Tinian the Fourth, who wrote. Um, I guess he wrote Talon. What else did he write, Paul? He co-wrote some Batman thing with Scott Snyder. He's one of Scott Snyder's buddies. Yeah, it's like his protege. And, yeah. Morning and Glories, I don't... Revival. Morning Glories. Ah, I hated that yeah. so bad. It, revival wasn't very good either. No, it wasn't. It had a really good plot and the covers. Right. I forget who the cover artist is for that, but... It, it pulls me out every time I pick it up and I look at it. And I know that the interiors aren't the same quality. But every time I'm at the shop, I'm like, oh, this looks so fucking creepy and cool. I feel like Scott Snyder says, I got this great idea for this comic book called Revival. And then he's like, I'm going to have you write it, James Tinney in the fourth. And James Tinney in the fourth starts writing it, and then he just doesn't execute it very well. Because Scott Snyder's a great writer. James Tinney in the fourth, eh, not so much. He's you know, the fourth I'm, James Tinian. If maybe they got the first one, the, the first, original right, James Tinian, he would have banged that shit out. Yeah, but this one, he's like Steve from, uh, what's his face? A fucking, uh, with multiplicity. Multiplicity. Uh, Steve likes pizza. Uh, yeah. James Tinney in the fourth <laughs> likes pizza. <laughs> I like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's saying. The whole time he's writing this shit. Yeah, I've read I've read a handful of things by James Tinney in the fourth, and like I think one of the first things I saw about him was an article like, oh, he's one of Scott Snyder's buddies, and they're bringing him in. He's going to be doing this stuff, and then I got it, and I was like, ah, like I don't know what Scott Snyder sees in you, because Scott Snyder at one point was a good writer, and at now one point, I don't know what happened. Well, anyway, The Woods is about. Um, a, uh, they started off where you were introduced to a few kids in high school, and um, you're, they try to like make you give a shit by giving you a very, very brief snip, snippet of context for these characters, because their worlds are about to get turned upside down. So, all of a sudden, the entire school, this entire high school gets transported to a whole new dimension or far distant planet in another universe or something. They don't have any idea how they got there, but um, one of the smart, nerdy kids figures out we need to get away from the school and travel, I forget where, like into the woods because it's not safe here. And holy shit, I just thought it was really boring and, and like not interesting. I didn't give a crap about any of the characters at all because I felt like they were introduced so quickly without really kind of letting you get to know them and they're trying to almost force you to care um, the artwork doesn't match the tone of the story and I know you hate that Paul um, I hate the artwork that I saw for it it, it just it just wasn't that great um, and I, I, I can't recommend this one. So, 
That's about all I'm going to say about it. I don't want to waste any more time. We're getting up against it anyway. It's time to call it a night, Matt. Well, no, because I don't think Mr. Sharpley got a chance to say what he's read. Yeah, I really haven't uh, done a lot of reading these past couple weekends. I'm, that is bad art. Um, yeah, I've been pretty busy, though. The only thing that I really um, spent some time reading was I finished up Batgirl Year One, um, Chuck Dixon and Marcus Martin. Really good story. Tells the origin of Batgirl. Um I talked about it before, though. So, I mean, that's really all that I've read. It took you a long time to finish that book. Yeah, it did. I started reading it, and then I didn't get back onto it until I was flying out to San Diego and finished up. It was only six issues. It did take me a long time to finish it. I liked it. Two thumbs up. That's all I got. All right. Darcy, I think that's going to do it. Unless you had anything else. Oh, like just what I've read? Or whatever's on your mind. Whatever you want to talk about. Dealer's <laughs> choice. Dealer's choice. Well, I mean, I don't want to open any can of worms at almost call time. I finished reading the last issue of The Wake came out. It was an under disappointment. Oh. I hated it. Um, Fuck The Wake. I know. And that's Hard half of my disdain for Scott Snyder. I haven't days. read it yet. The first three yet, issues so I'm excited. were very promising. The first half, the first, first five were amazing. Yeah. The I first five were The Thing meets Jaws. It was incredible. I haven't read any of the issues where they jump into the future, is See, it, or present day? I, I, I felt like it started shitting the brick when they did, uh, as soon as they got to issue four. Yeah. One, two, and three I loved. Issue four, I was like, uh, what are they going to do? They're making me nervous. Five was, and they've just quit trying. And six was, they totally just regurgitated crap. Uh, it was, it was just, it was horrible. They yeah, the first utterly disappointed me. Through the first five issues, there were like always like intro pages of the books or some flash forward mm-hmm. or flashback, but you didn't really know what they were about. The story still focused on the present day. What's going on, like, ten miles beneath the surface of the water in this super remote underwater station. And these merpeople, they have one trapped inside that they're studying. There's a school of them outside trying to get in. And the way they play... The way, um... Sean Murphy, the artist, plays up the claustrophobic nature Mm -hmm. of the story. I thought the characters in the first half were way better developed you understood who each character was what their personalities were and then and they take you through that whole story and at the end of five you jump way the fuck into the future and then it's like and then it gets just it gets crazy it gets crazy and stupid and they meet like pirates at some point like what comes out of their mouths like is just yeah and that well that was kind of neat because some of the some of the word balloons like there would be text, but there would also be, like, a fish icon. I know. Like, the, the shape of a fish. Just like, I just felt like they had lost their minds or quit trying or something. I don't know. I was just utterly disappointed in it. Yeah, that. the second half was like, what the fuck? And they put happening? a couple of month, months break in between mm-hmm. there. They were like, okay, well, we're going to jump in the future. And that's where they lost me because I stopped remembering to try to look for it or get it or anything like that. 
And so I still have that whole second half to read. Ugh. Sounds like it's going to be a bad time, it but I'm excited help. for the bad time. <laughs> <laughs> from what I'm gathering from Scott Snyder is that he needs to focus on the down, home, grim and gritty. Keep it keep it street level. Yeah. yeah. Don't try to get too crazy because when you try to when you try to spread it out too much and tell this sprawling story like in Zero Year and the second half of the wake and Rot World that he co wrote with Jeff Lemire, shit just gets out of control. Have you ever keep read it tight, the Black Snyder. Mirror, Batman, Detective Comics, The Black Mirror? No. That's kind of what put him on the map as like an up and coming writer. And I think that that's his best work. It plays into the grim and gritty, you know, street-level style storytelling. And uh, I think that's his best work. I'll have to dig that out even, once borrow it. Even Court of Owls, it's about Batman and Gotham. Yeah. And everything takes place with Batman and in Gotham. He doesn't try to get too nuts. But yeah, I was super disappointed in the wake. Like, the first five issues, I couldn't stroke it hard enough. It was so I good. know, you loved it. And then all of a sudden, like, it just fell apart and worse, every, every issue. So we're going to leave you on the wake. Just the first five. Just yeah, get the first five. That, that's all you get need. the first five, stroke it hard. And then imagine your own ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, exactly, that's exactly how I'll handle that. Thanks, everyone, for listening tonight. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt Cassell. And special guest... We will see you next time. Human centipede gummy bears. Uh, <laughs> ass to mouth gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs>